are At The Net. And welcome, friends, to another episode of the At The Net podcast, powered by Tex-Mex Productions. Working the soundboards in the back of the house are our producers, D-Mac and Dave the Brave. Time to say hello to your hosts, Craig Bell and AJ Shabria, as they're about to take us through three sets of tents, talking life and all the news as it seems to them. Ladies and gentlemen, Craig Bell. All right, all right, all right. Thanks to our At The Net podcast girl. That would be the great Margot Carter for that totally tubular, AJC. <laughs> it's totally tubular introduction. And welcome, fans of the great game. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 6-0. 60. Tremendous. 60 of Tremendous. At The Net podcast with AJ Chabry. That's you, right? What's up, everybody? Legendary AJC and me, CB1. The even more legendary and, I might add, notorious CB1. That's right. I'm a gangster tonight. (laughs) We were talking the great game of tennis as it seems seems to us. us. Thanks also go out to our good amigos at Tex-Mex Productions. We'd actually have one amigo here tonight. That would be Dave the Brain DeLeo. You can't see him. He's off camera tonight. We're trying something new and innovative tonight. And there's there's these fingers right there. He got bunny ears. Is that a peace sign? That's a peace sign. Peace sign, okay. All right. And uh, Darian D. Mac McBrayer. From back of the house, who are on the soundboards? They're actually on the soundboards tonight. We we uh, have no control over this uh, intro anymore, do we? We used to, used we, to we, do we, great we've been job, but Dave will do even better. That's right. All right, so there, he's moving the dials and buttons to make it sound like real people tonight. We're real people tonight again, aren't we? That we are. I love being here. Thank you. We're, we're not holograms or anything like that. No. No. Okay. All right. Also, be sure to check out our good work on Fireside, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Castbox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. Basically, that's all the communication sites the kids find popular today. Are you one of them kids? I am one of those kids. I watch our show sometimes on. Uh, on a little bit of everything. Do you, do you still watch cartoons on Saturday mornings? Well, in I his pajamas. <laughs> he, he, he watched, he watched Dude, in his pajamas. I have YouTube. I watch my cartoons whenever I want now. Saturday mornings, no, but uh, whenever I feel like it. All right. And if you're a female, sorry, dudes, and would like to read the open intro, like Margot, the tubular Margot Tata, for Athenet Podcast and be an Athenet girl, let us know. So we are always looking for female voices to do the intro, even in a foreign language, right, AJ? Foreign language, and even in American English, like. The young woman we're about to talk to. Yes, and we have a, speaking of totally tubular <laughs> guest tonight, it's the great Lisa Pulezi Lacroix. I, I can't, I, it's Italian and French, you know, I'm from Oklahoma, so I'll just say you, LPL. You, you in Oklahoma did a great job with the with the, her first name, Lisa. Lisa, I, I did. Nice I got that. going, man. We're, we're going to be make, call her a trinomial <laughs> since you're AJC, I'm CB1, CB1. we'll call her LPL. How's Dave that? the Brain. Dave Next the Brain, us, yeah. DTB. Yeah, we all got three it? names, it's good. That's right, we're, we're trinomials here on Athenet. See, because it's Athenet, well, that's not a trinomial, that's a... For, for, uh, at see, the at, net, at net podcast, or how about the net podcast, or something? Well, anyway, but uh, <laughs> welcome, Lisa. How you doing? Hi, how are you guys? Um, it's totally tubular being here. <laughs> uh, you feel like you're, you feel like you're back in the eighties. <laughs> I do. I love the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch Fast Fast Times at Ridgemont High? I watched all those shows back yeah. in the day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah good. Bre- Breakfast Club. It's another Breakfast great one. Club, of course. Right. All those you were probably just born for these years. So you saw them not on VHS, not in the theaters, Lisa. You probably saw them later. No. Right. Later. Good. Later? Really? No. Later. Well, Lisa, later. well, Lisa, we're glad to have you here because Lisa is, is, has a great story tonight. I know everybody's going to have a have a really good time uh, listening to Lisa and her story about uh, tennis, uh, her background in tennis, and more importantly, what she does with love serving autism, right? Yes. Thank you. 
Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it a, a long story. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a tr- it's a terrific story. We've done a little background work, and we're really happy to have you here with us uh, on our podcast this evening on a Sunday night. And uh, appreciate your time, you know, because Lisa has done you know quite a few things besides being uh, a really fine tennis player. Played uh, D one at Duke University and the University of Florida, where you also had a lot of success with the the Florida Gators, right? Yes. Yes, we did. What a team that was. That was probably one of the finest uh, college teams of all time, and you won the whole national championship. Mm-hmm. We did in 96. Um, actually, in 95, we were, I think, one set away from winning the national championship as well. So it, it was almost back-to-back, but, um, you know, it was close. But senior year, we won, and it was just a fantastic experience. So I'm really wow. happy I joined the team. Played a little pro tennis, but then more importantly, you got uh, the the uh, idea to to uh, do speech pathology, and that's really what your your passion is, I guess, at the moment. Uh, I mean, tennis has been great; uh, the great game's always great for everybody. But it sets you up as a founder and CEO of Love Serving Autism. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Yes. So we are. Uh, well, what we're going to do tonight? We'll do three sets. Basically, yep. we're going to we're going to talk about your background in the great game okay. for set one. And uh, up to, you know, winning the title, playing a little pro tennis. And then also second set, we'll go into uh, more in depth about love serving autism, your thoughts about, uh, you know, starting the the program, you know, the current where you are and, you know, future operations of uh, thoughts about uh, your company. And then also we have some uh, a few fun little questions that uh, uh, we think you might like uh, we, we won't be too hard on that on you on that too thought provoking we'll, we'll make some. it short right we'll make <laughs> it more about about autism love serving autism in, in your uh, your program oh, so okay so lisa how'd, how'd you get involved in the great game what really got you started uh, out there in uh, the world of tennis was it mom dad you know uh, aunt and uncle you know seeing well, aj you know um, just <laughs> i was uh, born and raised in memphis tennessee so um the racket club of memphis i don't know if you've ever been there we have. Oh, yeah. they, they hosted an yeah. ATP tournament there for years, and uh, it's a storied, old, historic club. How'd you uh, how'd you start there? Yeah, tell us about it. Well, my parents um, both played a little tennis, and uh, my my mom one day had a tennis lesson, and she couldn't attend. I think she had another match going on, and I was five years old, so she connected me uh, to Phil Chamberlain, who was my very first tennis coach. Wow. Um, don't know if you've met Phil, but he he was an incredible, incredible coach, and at five years old, I I uh, played tennis for the first time there, so that was kind of the beginning of everything. <laughs> um, actually, Phil came back after the tennis class and told my parents, you know, hey, you know, your daughter has really good hand-eye coordination, and my dad, you know, kind of joked, okay, sure, you know, <laughs> he thought, yeah, you you know, you just want more tennis lessons, <laughs> but um, I quickly, quickly, you know, became. Kind of like I was one of those children who loved playing. Um, you know, my parents were just really supportive, but they weren't like typical tennis parents, but uh-huh. they were just very supportive. So I just, anywhere I could go, um, you know, I started hitting on a wall and just started at a very young age. Um, that was kind of the beginning of tennis for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, were you a tall kid even at five? Uh, I was somewhat tall. I was more lanky, mm-hmm. um, very, you know, skinny, <laughs> uh, pigtails, you know, just kind of awkward, <laughs> but, um, just knew that, uh, I just felt comfortable in the tennis court. I, I, you know, I felt more comfortable playing tennis than I did even socializing at that time or, you know, talking to the kids. 
Wow. So did you play something I really Yeah, did you play yes. some other sports or fall quickly in love with tennis and just tennis? Uh I had a few piano lessons growing up and I liked piano and I loved swimming. Um swimming was something that I a sport I just loved being in the water. I still love the water. Um I don't swim enough anymore, but um, you know, I was on a swim team growing up a little bit, but mm-hmm. When you're when you're so into one sport, you kind of have to make a decision as right. a child. You know what you're going to do. So I chose tennis, and kind of you know I haven't really played piano since I was young. I do miss it, but but mm. I'm happy that I was able to um, you know go as far as I did with tennis. So that's fantastic. Um, hey, yeah. w- when you started at the Racquet Club of Memphis, um, at that time there they probably didn't have that pro tournament there, did they? Or, or what were some of the inspirations to see the high level? Um, they did, you know, when I was at that age, no, they didn't have it. I don't believe, yeah. but, um, when I was in my early teens, mm-hmm. I think, you know, I did, I did get, I was, um, a ball girl and, uh, realized how hard they hit the ball. I had yeah. no idea that professionals hit the ball it actually scared me, <laughs> <laughs> you know, being a ball girl, but it was kind of exciting seeing the ATP tournament and watching the players go in and out and all the coaches. And I thought, wow, that's, that's super cool. Um, but I, I really, you know, I was still just kind of in my own world, you know, playing juniors at the time and yeah. not really thinking that far ahead. But but it was fun to see the tournament um, hosted at, you know, at the racket club. Hit us with a couple of names that uh, that you ball boyed, ball girled for. Um, I believe it was Stefan Edberg. Oh, back wow. In the day. Legend, um, legend. Or Spectre, yeah. yeah. So it was, uh, and they have big serves. So when you're a little kid catching a ball, you yeah. know, <laughs> it's a little intimidating. Yeah, and they served 120, uh, you know, on the average, probably 130 sometimes, certainly Boris and right. Stefan with the huge kick over my over our heads for sure. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Yeah. You got to be a ball kid for those guys. And then tell us about junior tennis in Tennessee yeah. before you went to uh, North Carolina to play sure. at Duke. Yeah. Oh, sure. So, you know, um, I actually moved. My dad is a bond trader, and uh-huh. he decided to move, um, transfer companies. And so we did move to South Florida when I was 14. I see. But I did play junior tennis in the SEC in Memphis and the South um, briefly until I moved. So, you know, Southern tennis was a lot very different than Florida. And um, I was number one in the South, but my parents said, you know, oh, I don't know how Lisa's going to do in Florida because mm-hmm. the competition is so much more challenging. Um so that was a kind of like a, but my dad, you know, we moved anyway for his career. <laughs> so we made that decision. And, um, you know, I, I, it was a, it was a big eye opener for me when we did move to Florida, not just the level of tennis, but also just the mentality and the, the competitiveness in South Florida and juniors. It was very different than the South. Mm. Um, I remember, you know, you know, the, kids you know back in the south everyone waved and said hi to your neighbors and it, it was just much different in south florida so i kind of had to quickly adopt to that new mentality of you know if you're going to be number one this is what it's, this is what's expected you know on the court so um yeah i started playing junior tennis and i i did well i was number one in in the state in um 14 16 and 18 mm-hmm. so excelled and just you know i i typically was the one who won sportsmanship i i didn't really care for cheating you know or anyone who cheated me yeah <laughs> um but as you know in florida juniors it's so competitive so i did deal deal with that at, at, at certain moments and and during tournaments so that was a little challenging for me looking back <laughs> but um thankfully thankfully i was able to perform well and, and do well in those tournaments so um you know that that was more like state level so I did. So we did move when I was around fourteen, 
and I lost my accent. I had a big southern accent. <laughs> I said y'all like every other word, yeah. uh, even if you're talking to one person. But um, <laughs> but now you know, in my age, in my forties, now I don't really yeah. have the accent. Yeah, you're 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 uh, you're not only you have no accent, you're a speech pathologist. Where where did you learn that? Duke, Florida, both or or in uh, grad school? Oh, um, well, after call, I mean, after junior tennis and then, you know, ended up in college. I Mm -hmm. I, as far as grad school, that wasn't until, you know, in my late 20s um, after kind of deciding what I'm doing with my life and my career and my bigger purpose. So, uh, you know, I, I really wasn't planning on um, graduate school or any type of educational career. I was more focused on tennis. So I, you know, it wasn't even really in my mind at yeah. the time when I was younger. Um, so I, I guess I trained, I don't know if you want me to go on about that or sure. <laughs> how well, I got there, how I got there. Yeah. Yeah. Tell Please us do. about grad school and speech pathology since we talked about your accent changing. Sure. Um, grad school in speech pathology was intense. It's a three-year, a three-and-a-half-year program. Mm. Um, I put down my tennis racket and just focused on being a student. <laughs> and it was kind of nice in a little bit of a way. I had a new identity, so something different for me. But um, I, I, my mother actually had recommended, you know, you like helping others. It's more your personality. So, you know, she had heard about this program in, at Florida Atlantic University in Boca. The FAU has yeah. a really good grad program. So I went there and did a lot of, you know, studying and training and learning about communication sciences and disorders and working with children and adults who have language impairments and how to help them. Yeah. So that's kind of uh, the path I went and, and I found it fascinating. Um, you know, I didn't really know much about that career in college. Uh, I studied English and linguistics, but it wasn't so much, you know, speech pathology. Uh, so had I had to start from scratch and take all the prerequisites and, you know, um, enter into the program and quick note on the side, I was invited yeah. to coach the, the uh, women's tennis team yeah, I knew at, they would. <laughs> at I, the same time, well, yeah. assistant coach and, um, my grad school program told me I had to make a decision between coaching and academics, wow. um, which I was fine with I I wasn't a huge fan of coaching college tennis so <laughs> I felt I felt fine with that decision so I did have to make that choice and and grad school was after playing competitively mm-hmm. futures WTA mm-hmm. that kind of stuff correct yeah. so that was after all the tournaments and um I made the decision you know just to kind of switch it up a little bit yeah. and go back mm-hmm. to school and thankfully I went to you know two strong universities so Definitely. it kind of prepared me it prepared me for the academic caseload and the work that was expected, but it, it definitely was a challenging program. But, um, you know, that was 18 years ago. I graduated from right. grad school. So oh, that's great. Looking back, it doesn't seem that long ago. Let's, <laughs> let's step back to actual college tennis. Tell us about ACC Duke sure. and then, uh, Florida and winning the, the national championships. Uh, tell us a little bit about that transition ACC to SEC and then winning the whole thing almost twice. Uh, <laughs> Oh, I wish it had been twice. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, when I, I had to make a decision, I remember um, traveling. I was playing, you know, a little bit of uh, – I was playing junior tournaments at the time, and I remember making a decision of do I want to turn pro or go to college. And I had these college recruiters, you know, I mean, um, coaches calling me, and I, I really didn't know what to do at the time. But I said, well, I went to a very strong – I went to a private school um, in high school, mm-hmm. very, very academic-oriented. 
so I knew that, you know, Duke was obviously a great school for education. Um, and I knew that, you know, Stanford, University of Florida, different schools and I had opportunities to go to. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I did make the decision to go to Duke in 92. And, um, it, you know, it was it was definitely an interesting year for me. Um, I, I love the fact that, you know, it was something new in North Carolina. Um, the challenge for me, I guess, was transitioning from home, the home life, to, you know, junior tennis to college and not really, no one really prepares you for life skills, you know, and kind of like what to do as a college student when you're on your own. And yes. uh, I, I honestly, I love, you know, some of my friends in the dorm and this and that, but, um, you know, it was a big learning curve for me. You know, you have to do your own laundry and you have to <laughs> cook and you have to do all these things that like growing up and kind of when you're at a certain level in tennis, a lot of people do things for you, right? Uh, so, did, did you ever go so to Cameron? Tennis, did you ever go to Cameron? And you, of course. So, you'd be a so crazy? I did, I did. Well, I wasn't a crazy, but um, I did have Co- Coach K uh, did give me a tour, actually, of the, of the school on my recruiting trip. Wow. Which is kind of cool. Yeah, so he walked me through the basketball uh, arena. And mm-hmm. I remember, I still to this day, all the tents that would, you know, we'd be practicing tennis on the team and it's like behind me and there all the students were like in tents, you know, for like a week getting ready for these games. Yeah. And they would just, so basketball was 100% number one. And um, some of the basketball players like Bobby Hurley, Christian Leitner, they, um, you know, they were good friends with girls on our tennis team. So sure. a lot of times, you know, a lot of times sporting teams, um, you know, you become friends. Yeah. So um, I did love the basketball. That was awesome. And, and again, um, you know, the team, I think we were like four in the country, women's tennis, but got a little homesick, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, and miss my family and kind of miss Florida. And at the time, you, at the time, Duke did not have outdoor court. I mean, I'm sorry, indoor facility. So we were playing outside and when you're from South Florida and then you're playing out in the winter, it's a bit chilly, you know? So, (laughs) so uh, it was definitely cold for me. So just a few factors uh, that I decided, you know, I think it's time for me to maybe transition and spoke to Andy Brandy, University of Florida, who initially had recruited me. And I said, well, do you have a spot for me on the tennis team? Mm. You know? And and so I did, I did transfer my, my sophomore year. So he took about probably three seconds and went, mm, yes, sure. yes. <laughs> Lisa, right get over well, here. He, he did sit me down in, in, in his office with my mom and what I think my mom was with me. And he just said, you know, these are my expectations. He was very firm and direct about, you know, what he expected of the team. And um, I respect him for that. You know, I really do. So um, he knew how to bring out the best in us on the tennis court. Um, you know, there were days when we were pushed and challenged and it was hard, but um, I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy. I transferred. I, 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 I like Duke, but I love my team at UF. Um, if that makes sense. F- so, definitely. And at um, UF, who was the assistant coach at, at the time? Uh, Sujay Lama. <laughs> Tremendous uh, guy. Oh boy. How did you know that AJC? <laughs> Come on. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we've had Sujay on the show here and, uh, Have you? Oh yeah. yeah. And yeah. he's a close oh, yeah. friend. I, uh, we, Craig and I both get to hit with his boy a little bit. His son is such a good player, uh, 15 oh, wow. and a half nationally ranked player. And Sujay uh, waxed poetically about having Lisa on the team at UF. Oh, yeah. He and, spoke uh, very highly. Yeah, of you. yeah, won the whole he, thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. You got to get her as a guest. Now, she's the best. She's even better yeah. than her husband, the tennis tycoon. <laughs> she goes, he goes, much better. Uh-huh. Much better than the tycoon. Uh, tycoon, <laughs> so, the tennis tycoon. Right. He is a big serve, though, so, you know. Uh, but, uh, 
Yeah, yeah. he's six foot six. So. Uh, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's a lot taller than you. Yeah, so, and, and you're you're on the tall side. You got to be almost six feet tall. What are you about five ten? Uh, I'm five eleven. Five eleven. Yeah. Right. Boy, it's all gone. But, but um, Sujay, Sujay was a trip at US. I, I really, he would be my hitting partner. So yeah. I would just walk for hours and hit with him. And um, But again, it was a great team, you know, from all, you know, my best friend was from Norway. She's still one of my dear friends to this day, mm. you know. And so we, we did, we we had a great team and, and Stefan and Dikitas and Don Booth, I don't know if you and Jill Kravis, and they were just phenomenal, phenomenal tennis players. Yeah. And, and so yeah, my senior year, we did play in Tallahassee at FSU when we were playing Stanford in the finals. And yep. I think we were down at the beginning, but we turned it around and won, thankfully, because it was, you know, we were really close my junior year. Yeah. <laughs> so it was awesome. And um, our 25th reunion, believe it or not, really? is actually supposed to be this fall. Uh-huh. But due to COVID, yeah. uh, we're not we're not yet scheduled for the reunion. So we're kind of waiting to see what happens. Well, it's neat seeing um, uh, most of you are still in tennis. Some are coaching. Mm-hmm. You are kind of in tennis and also kind of, uh, yeah. kind of in uh, in speech pathology and serving people with, uh, you know, uh, autism spectrum disorders. And your buddy, Jill Krabus, is with my old buddy, Nico Pereira, in the booth at the Tennis Channel in L.A. Oh, Wow. So she's on That's TV awesome. almost every day I, I now. I saw her actually yesterday. Yeah, yeah. On TV. I was oh, like, oh, bo- wow. Yeah, both days, like yeah. preview and first day of French Open, yeah. The funny thing is, is in college, Jill and I, she was pretty introverted, you uh-huh. know. So when I heard she was doing tennis commentating, I'm thinking, wow, Jill? You know, but, but, but you know, we all mature and evolve and... And I was also very shy. I probably never would have done this today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, back at, back when I was younger, I was just really quiet and shy. So it's just interesting how 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 we you know progress through life and what we end up doing in tennis. So you, um, I'm, you I like go ahead, go you ahead. were you were quiet and shy. Then you were speaking at something USPTA Florida, and you met and then married the tycoon. <laughs> that is coming out of your shell, kid. Well, I saw him. Yeah, I, I was my very first um, speaking engagement for mm-hmm. Love Serving Autism like four years ago. Mm. So I was nervous. I'm sweating. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the lights are on me, everything. And, yeah. And, and I didn't even see Kyle. He actually walked in late, which he's never late. He's usually the first person everywhere. Right. <laughs> How'd you miss the tycoon? Yeah. It's a guy six, six. He's that's pretty. Uh, he's pretty large, you know. He is large. So I, all I remember is midway through my presentation, I looked up and there was a, you know, a giant walking through the room yeah. and he sat in the back and he yeah. had a big smile and I thought, who's the person? But, you know, we actually didn't even speak that night. It was just, it was kind of through mutual people. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle was helping out, um, an adult with autism, um, to become certified with the USPTA. Yeah. He's a tester. So, that's right. He's a USPTA tester, my mm-hmm. husband. So yeah, he does amazing with tests. He does tests today actually again. So he was certifying someone who has autism. And so we ended up, I reached out to him, left him a voice message. You know, he's like, see, you're the first one who reached out to me. But, <laughs> but yeah, I'm like, all right. That's but, adorable. But he, <laughs> he spun it. He spun it into a, a man, right, woman attraction it. thing. That's a good man. Right. right. Yeah. That's just so a good athlete. I, I admire that Kyle. Well done kid. So he tells everyone I called him first. Yep. You know, I know. Okay, fine. <laughs> And, and, but yeah, we ended up, we ended up getting to know each other. I thought, wow, what a cool person to help, you know, this man, you know, this individual with autism getting tested, you know, so we ended up, you know, having things in common and, Mm -hmm. you know, now we're married. So that's what happened. (laughs) (laughs) 
Right. That's uh, great. That's yep. great. Yep. Well, CB, uh, should we get into the second set and talk sure. about current and future project, Absolutely. Uh, projects? Absolutely. Well, I just I want to ask one question. Oh, yes. Good. Got, so did you go see, see any football games at the Swamp? You know, do the Chomp? Did I? Mm-hmm. Yes, we did. And our team sat together. We always had seats next to each other, right? Uh-huh. So um, I used to, we used to train in the gym with the football team, which was a whole other experience. I'm sure. And, you know, um, uh, Coach Spurrier was there. Steve and Spurrier, I remember right. him. Steve Spurrier was there. And I remember him. He would sit on a stationary bike by himself in the middle of the stadium with his sweatband on and he would bike and he would visual I think he was visualizing the game. Uh-huh. So I remember moments like that where, you know, Steve Spurrier was there and then like um, you know, the gym the gym was just a fun experience because you get to meet other athletes. Mm-hmm. But the swamp the swamp was just ginormous and it's like deafening when they cheer. Right. Um but then the most embarrassing I think ever, I'll just say this out loud, was um, at UF, um, they have bars, you know, yep. like the downtown, you know, sure. college campus. And, you know, they put pictures of our women's tennis team, you know, at the bars. So, you know, they had all the sports teams and this sure. and that. And it was just like embarrassing because a guy would walk by and say, oh, I just saw you. Or there'd be a picture, pardon me, in the men's yeah. you know, bathroom somewhere. Like, like I know, like I know that face. You are Lisa Palizzi like that. Yeah, and I I was in the bar like, how did, how do you know me? You know, what do you know? But it was one of those things where at UF, um, they did really revere athletics and, and, and Andy wouldn't let us play unless we had a certain GPA. So we had to keep our grades up, you know, which is great. Um, and the football team would have to come sit and watch us if they didn't do well in school. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) They'd have to sit and watch our matches. (laughs) So it was, it was an interesting experience. I, I bet yeah. they loved watching the good level of tennis by uh, by you and your group. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. You and Don, Jill, what a team, Stephanie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah really, really good team. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that's amazing that uh, uh, to put put talent together like that. Yeah, and then uh, you know, I mean that that only happens every once in a while like that. And to be able to be a part of that group, that's that's it, even better. It, it, I don't think it's actually happened since the nineties. Probably to, not right. to have that many high ranked. I, I I don't know the numbers, but tell us where there were probably four or five of you in the top 20 in individuals. Yes. Yes. Tremendous. Yes. At that time. Mm-hmm. And so it was one of those, uh, it was like a dream team, yeah. but I didn't know it. I didn't really recognize it until later, you know, because yeah. I thought, well, maybe, maybe many teams do this. And, mm-hmm. you know, even, even my husband, Kyle, you know, talks about it once in a while. I was like, that team was just special, you know? Yeah. <laughs> It's a great, great team. So, um, but thankfully, you know, we're all still friends and, and, um, you know, my best friend from Norway wants me to still visit, you know, oh, we, wow. she's like, you can have your honeymoon. We haven't had a honeymoon or anything since co- we, yeah, we did go you, to California, but yeah, you we, just yeah. got married in the spring, right? In when, March, right? right when Kyle was on our show and then, uh, COVID mm-hmm. and not, yep. no travel or almost yep. no travel. Yeah. It's a almost no travel. Time. So, yeah. Interesting. So we have someday we'll go to Norway, hopefully, yep. and visit Katrina. <laughs> Will you go in the winter or the summer, like Northern Lights? Summer. And, yeah, in the summer. summer. <laughs> You're going to go in the summer where the weather is almost like Florida and the sun stays exactly. up till 11 or midnight right. or something, right? Right. I don't own the I don't own the clothing that they wear in the, in, yeah, <laughs> yeah, in the winter. You don't need like, it. Forget it. You temp- <laughs> you temporarily had it in Memphis and in uh, in Durham, right. North Carolina, North but Carolina. You don't, yeah, you don't need it. You don't need it. Well, no. CB one, we're going to go yeah. to set two, uh, set brought two. to you by Master okay. Systems. Yep. And set two involves 
um, what you are doing, Lisa, currently and in the future with Love Serving Autism. And I want to kick it off, actually. Craig, Craig is going to kick off a few questions, but I want to kick it off sure. with a, a young man who's a remarkable coach up in Rhode Island, Providence, Rhode Island. His name is Nestor Bernabe, and he is a speaker and a remarkable coach. His wife is actually a doctor who works with autistic uh, patients, and he wants to start a program, or he and his wife want to start a program. Tell us how you did it. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Nestor is listening and is going to uh, probably reach out to you and pick your brain personally. Um, sure. So no need to, to get specific, specific, but tell us about sure. how you did it, not just the idea and your expertise mm -hmm. from grad school, but your mm -hmm. passion about it and how you did it, the the logistics. Sure. Well, my, thank you for, for asking all these questions. My, my bigger picture was, um, you know, when I was a kid, I, and I did want to bring this up today, you know, it was one of those interesting where I was competing in tennis, but mm -hmm. I was one of those maybe weird child. I don't know, children, <laughs> I don't know, but I always had this bigger purpose, like mindset of what is my identity? Yes, I'm good at tennis, but is there anything else in my life? Like, what do I want to be? And um, I kind of was questioning that as a child, yeah. and I never knew why. And even in my 20s, you know, I at times, you know, um, I over what happened, I did have a back injury, but I, I think I physically just overtrained a lot because, you know, there's pressure, you know, you want to do your best. And I felt like, you know, at times I questioned, do I want to play pro tennis? Do I mm. want to do this for the rest of my life? So I wasn't really a hundred percent sure that was it, yeah. but, um, I did stop playing tennis for a good 10 years, you know, when I went to grad school sure. and, um, my first job was with, um, within an autism classroom. So I knew nothing about autism mm. when I graduated. I still didn't know about it. So it was like actually my first job that introduced me as a speech a therapist in a classroom. Mm. So I was there for 10 years, but really hadn't touched the tennis racket. Um, I had read about a national nonprofit um, called Easting Autism, right? Mm -hmm. And they're based in LA. Yep. And I knew that they introduced tennis. I'd read about it and they introduced tennis to children with autism. Mm. I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. You know, I, I'm curious, why is there a connection with tennis and autism? But I knew those were my two passions. Mm -hmm. So I contacted the founder and um, turns out that he, he knew me from when I was younger. He did play tennis at FAU, actually. FAU, so, okay. Um, yeah. So, so he said, you know, Lisa, you know, we have no, there's nothing in Florida facing autism. Would you like to help me open programs um, for my organization in Florida? So I thought, well, sure, you know, I'd like to get back into tennis on, yeah. you know, doing this. And so I did work with him, you know, day in, day out. It basically helped open six, seven programs in South Florida. Um, I, I volunteered at the time to do all of that. I just loved it a lot and recognized that, like, you know, this is a lot of fun. And a lot of people thought that was my program because yeah. I was so committed to it. Um so, you know, year six into it, um, kind of realized, you know, I have a new, I have a new vision uh -huh. and I wasn't thinking my own nonprofit, but I kind of had my, I kind of had my, a, a new vision for some, you know, introducing the way we communicate, you know, with the kids and the tennis pathway. And I had a lot of things I wanted to do. So I reached out to the founder and I said, you know, I think I'm going to start something just on my own locally in South Florida, mm -hmm. but completely from scratch. <laughs> so um, I really wanted to create like a pathway for these kids instead of just keeping them kind of like at the red ball level yeah. at the time. I wanted, I wanted them to, you know, progress through red, orange, green, and even yellow ball. Um, that was like my vision. And also being a therapist, I wanted to really work on communication skills and life skills. So 
I uh, basically applied on my own as a nonprofit and um, opened Love Serving Autism in January 2017. So that's the beginning of it. Awesome. <laughs> I, I actually was working full time at I was working full time at the Palmer School for Autism. Mm-hmm. So um, I just would literally walk outside the door and, and start my program. And I had one program at the time. It was an after school program. We had we had about 30 to 40 kids. And the, the director of the school said, you can start your nonprofit here. That's fine. Uh-huh. You know, so it's kind of neat. Like I'd work during the day and then go outside, change clothes. And now I'm the tennis pro, you know. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. So I did that. And then all of a sudden word got out, you know, Lisa's doing this program and more schools reached out and, and public tennis centers. And, you know, um, now we're in year four. You know, we have before COVID, we had about 14 programs in South Florida. Um, Tremendous. So, you know, I basically did it on my own and I just wanted to create something new locally. Mm-hmm. Um, my speech pathologist experience in tennis and so I'm thankful. I'm really thankful to ASING Autism because it did kind of plant the seed like, wow, you know, kids of all, you know, adaptive abilities and yeah. they do love tennis. But I wasn't really thinking anything more than kind of like an introduction to tennis. But um, yeah, so Love Serving Autism, I think, is, is a very, it was like a therapeutic model. Um, for the kids and the adults. So that's basically how it all started. And, um, you know, we have a lot of projects ahead. I, I'm on the national committee for USTA. So there's an adaptive committee now for special needs. And we're, we're taking G, the, the red ball curriculum and we're adapting it for special needs. So that's one big project. Yeah. And um, I'm a USPTA pro. So I'm um, the lead for the USPTA National Adaptive Committee. So that committee is helping put together a special um, a certification for pros in adaptive tennis. So there's so many like projects going on <laughs> right now that I, I'm so thankful I started Love Serving Autism when I did because I think, you know, 10 years ago, none of this existed. Like right. no one really in the industry thought about special needs in tennis. No, in fact, uh, uh, something like 10 or 12 years ago, I remember reading a study. It was out of Stanford University where, you know, you've got some history there. And uh, Kyle mm-hmm. went to grad school there, too. Um, right. And uh, only, I guess, recently graduated, too. So, yeah, uh, Stanford, uh, they had a study and they talked about how um, there are therapeutic benefits. It, it didn't say autism, but it was more about ADHD and some kids that are on the spectrum. And it talked about Mm -hmm. how therapeutic and how beneficial the things that we as tennis coaches, and at the time I was a full-time tennis coach who worked with all levels at a club rather than just high performance or college kids or whatever, which I I do more of now. But um, uh, it talked about how the variety and the task-based things that can be independently planned between just kid and coach or just, mm-hmm. um, you know, just, you know, small group of players and coach. And it talked about how, and it really took us through, I, I'm going to have to remember it. Maybe you've even read the study that I'm talking about, but it inspired me because there are kids uh, who suffer from some of this stuff who, who take tennis or come and then they kind of quit or they didn't like the group or, or something. Can you speak a little bit to the process and how that has sure. helped uh, some of the people you've worked with? Sure. So I think um, tennis is, is, is extremely therapeutic. That's the word I like to use, especially for adaptive athletes or children with autism, adults mm. with autism, um, because it's, it's visual. It's, um, it helps regulate their sensory system. Yes. 
So like you said, if a child has ADHD and they get to run around a court and hit a ball, it really calms them. It regulates them. So, you know, it also helps with um, children with autism may struggle with motor planning challenges. So like their brain might think one thing and their body's doing something else. So it really helps with their coordination. Lisa, Lisa, um, I'm a, I'm a 51 year old guy and I've got that. You know? What's that coordination okay. issues? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I think I'm about to absolutely rip a backhand from three meters left of the alley and uh, I, I have to slice it. You know, it's just right. yeah, exactly. my brain, my brain visualized me at 28, you know, well, that's true. Yeah, this is very true. But, yeah. but you, you know what I mean, though? Yeah, I totally know what you mean. Yeah. But the, these these individuals, you know, it affects their, you know, even with speech. Some yeah. children, you know, I think 40 percent of our kids are nonverbal in our program, mm. you know, and and it's like why, you know, you want to know why, why can't they speak? But it's it's a lot to do with the brain wiring and yes. motor planning skills, and but tennis kind of helps them connect all the dots, mm. and it increases their self esteem because you know, they get to make friends and, um, we, we have a, you've heard of the Palm Beach Gardens Tennis Center, I'm assuming in Florida. Definitely. Um, don't know. Okay. It's a beautiful facility and they're very inclusive. So some of our students have graduated all the way through red, orange and green ball. And now they're in yellow, you know, so they're an after school junior program Awesome. and, and they might be higher functioning on the spectrum, but they are able to compete and play with typical peers. Mm. Um, it's such a cool experience to see it, you know, and see that they feel like, oh, yeah, I'm a part of something. I'm a part of a group. I'm not just labeled as autistic, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I'm, you know, so it's, I've seen a lot of progress with a lot of the kids and, um, you know, their challenges too at times with behavior once in a while, you know, they might get frustrated or yes. uh, need to take a break and that's fine. But um, all in all, they, you know, during COVID, we, we, not to skip the you know, conversation, but during awesome. COVID, we, we, we had to postpone all our, all of our classes, obviously. Makes sense. So, you know, I've heard families say that, you know, the kids miss tennis so much that, um, and I never, I took it for granted a little, I thought, Oh, it's a tennis class to them, you know, like, I'm sure they like it, but how much? And, you know, they, kids have, have sent pictures to me, you know, to their parents' phones or emails, or um, we've been teaching tennis on zoom for about six months now. So I log in on Saturdays and Sundays right. and we do an at home like program with fitness and tennis skills. And the kids will log in and they see each other and they're like super excited. Um, and today we had a class and one of the students said, when am I going to get to see you in person? When oh. can we go back to the tennis court? Oh my you know, God, that's and, beautiful. And I said, you know, very soon, I promise yeah. very soon we're going to, but they want to know dates and times and, yeah. you know, they memorize the calendar. So, <laughs> you have to follow through with what you say, but so it's, it's been an incredible experience. Um, we, we have, you know, another vision of ours is to design kind of like a therapeutic facility. So it'd be great to have a tennis center and then I have the, you know, the families can come and receive speech, occupational, physical therapies. So that's kind of like a bigger project to have in mind, um, moving forward. But you know, that does, require funding and a lot of money yeah. <laughs> so so uh, you know. well the tennis tycoon has a lot of money doesn't he, he? does he does so he's very rich <laughs> yeah he's <laughs> got seven or eight porsches and you know you just right. oh, you only need two you know what i'm saying right so, right 
Well, Lisa right. needs two, yeah. and then the tycoon right. needs That's you know, right. a couple. Hey, um, speaking of funding and getting investors, mm-hmm. can you take us mm-hmm. through what your process is or will be to expand some of these as we go into the, uh, mm-hmm. the middle of our second set where we talk about future projects and the future of sure. serving autism? Sure. Uh, well, I am learning. Like I said, I had no official training on starting a nonprofit, mm-hmm. just, I guess, a vision. <laughs> so... I'm learning really quickly about grant writing. Um, grants, grants do provide funding, um, but there are smaller grants and large grants, and there are professionals in grant writing. So I am thankfully starting to communicate with a few professionals. So um, also, you know, they have these uh, online foundation directories where, um, for instance, a private foundation may want to be listed as a contributor. So say say you, your cause is autism right they yeah. may like to fund they like they may like to fund organizations with aut- you know to focus on autism right. so a lot of these nonprofits can apply to these bigger foundations for funding um, like private donors it's not easy especially now with covid um a lot of nonprofit there's a lot of competition yeah. <laughs> but um in the tennis industry itself um the USTA national is really starting to recognize adaptive tennis in the last few months specifically um, you know, they're getting new member staff on board to really help us with these projects. So I think USTA will, will begin to provide funding hopefully in the future for these projects. And USTA Florida is beyond amazing, by the way. Oh, <laughs> um, the best. They, 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 yes, Laura Bowen, the executive director and her staff. And I just, I can't thank them enough. So the, in February, we 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 are we are now an official partner with USC Florida for the next three years. So basically, they're going to assist us with funding to help um, open new programs. Right. And yes, yeah, so so thankfully we have a wonderful partner now. Um, you know that we're not completely alone <laughs> mm. uh, on this journey. But you know, it's it's a lot of business. Um, you know, no one really trained you as a Growing up in tennis, you know, I never thought I'd be in this industry and nonprofit, and no right. one really gives you a guidebook on how to do it. Um, so you, so you've you've learned yeah. from others, and you've learned yes. from your own research. That's incredible. Yes, wow. and 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 thankfully, you know, thankfully, an organization might reach out or another nonprofit and yeah. say, "Hey, here's a grant available." Great, thank you for letting me know because yeah. you know you don't you don't really know all the answers all the time, um, but. Kyle is a wonderful husband, so he's super supportive and patient. You know, there are great days and days when we, you know, there's days when we get grants and there's times when we don't, you know, and, and you kind of question why. You don't know why, and it, mm. it could be very deflating. But, but at the end of the day, when you focus on your purpose, your, your bigger why, you know, why are you doing this, it keeps you motivated, um, you know, mm. to keep moving forward with this. So, that's a, that's Well, those a, kids are, are wanting – they don't know what money is really, and they're they're just happy right. that you're doing something. So you probably keep pictures of the kids, and you probably go, "That's why I'm doing this thing, right?" Excellent motivation, yeah. Right, I, I actually do. I I actually have a picture um, in my in our office. We have a new office, oh. Kyle and I. So I have a oh. picture of the kids. <laughs> One of my visuals, um, you know, that I it just is kind of like a trigger to keep going. You yeah, know, it's, it's, a, it's a reminder of your reason or your why as they call it 
And, uh, mm-hmm. and Craig, yeah, thanks for bringing yeah. that up. That's, that's a really important well, The motivation piece. is very, very important oh, that yeah. uh, you keep your eye on the prize. It's for the kids. It's not for anybody else. And that's why it sounds like that uh, you're a very altruistic person. And, and uh, you know, that, that's why you did this because it probably wasn't for the money. I'm, I'm uh, thinking no. more, for, <laughs> more for the satisfaction of helping people out. Right. And, and, you know, the, it's interesting as a child, when you're at a certain level, you have sponsors, you know, you have your Rack Wilson, you have whatever you want, sure, your yeah. Reebok sponsors. I had the pumps. I had everything yeah. I wanted. <laughs> yeah. I pumped up my shoes. Yeah. And now, you know, and now what, 25 years later, or whatever, starting this nonprofit, it's like humbling. It's very humbling yeah. because you have to reach out to equipment sponsors. You have to ask for help. And, um, that, you know, it's not easy for me. That's something I'm still learning how to do. So, you know, but it's a great cause and I know that people believe in it. So, you know, it is not, it's definitely not for me by any means, but, um, tennis is so focused. It's, you know, at times we can be a bit narcissistic or we focus so much on our training and on ourselves and it's kind of nice, kind of nice to do something to help others. I'm so Um, proud of, of you going from an athlete who, had a lot uh, given to her. Not, I mean, of course, not that you didn't work remarkably hard on fitness and uh, and the mm-hmm. game and technique and tactics and uh, strategy and all. But when, like you said, when everything's done for you, I remember playing in college. Uh, on some teams, th- they have a guy who stretches you, and you're like, "Wow, this is pretty great." <laughs> wow. And then when you're trying to play futures after, in my case, satellites after college, it's like there is no guy here stretching me or bringing me an ice bag. <laughs> <laughs> for my ankle or whatever right. like where is that and and i'm the one buying the cans of tuna and the whatever to to or arranging travel so th- that is tough and i admire how you've turned that uh borderline narcissistic or selfish lifestyle mm-hmm. into a mm-hmm. a very selfless career i want to ask uh one more question before we get to cb's sure. third set another sure. important question um autism and y- mm-hmm. you answered very nicely how you got into it and it, it came from mm-hmm. this purpose then speech speech pathology tell us why autism is more prevalent now than it was when we were in college mm-hmm. or, or when you were right so exactly when i was in graduate school i didn't mm-hmm. take a course on autism right. and you know, I, it, I didn't know anything about it. So, I mean, now the statistics are one in 59 children are diagnosed, which is like one in 43 boys, which is, wow, that's like a lot, I, you know, it's pretty high. Yeah. I, <laughs> I feel like it went from one in a thousand to it's, one in a hundred. Right. And now you're telling us it's not one in a hundred. It's one in 59. Correct. So I think there are a few factors. I think that there's um, definitely now like neurologists, pediatricians, they're trained to diagnose you know, early intervention is like critical so they can identify it a lot faster. Good. Um, so that's one factor. I think that there is a bit of potentially overdiagnosis. You know, I'll see children at tennis who maybe, maybe on the spectrum, you know, once in a while you'll see a child who may be just ADHD, I see. you know, and, um, or OCD, mm-hmm. but they might not have autism. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's more accepted now to say I have autism back than when I was, you know, younger, um, and you get therapy. So when you say, you know, if you have an autism diagnosis, you, you know, you might, the doors might open for more therapy. So, I but I mean, I mean, that's just, that's just something I've noticed. But um, in addition, I think that, um, I think genetics and environment play a role. 
I, I can't necessarily say it was vaccines. Um, you know, when I was in grad school, I met many families who reached out to me and said, you know, my, it was a vaccine. It was definitely the vaccine. I they see. stopped talking. But now I work with children who've never been vaccinated and have autism. So it's like, well, <laughs> you can't say it's that for yeah. sure. Mm. But I do see genetics play, uh, uh, they're very prevalent, like a, a big role. Um, even if someone in the family may be borderline, not diagnosed, you know, you know, their child could be, have tendencies toward autism. So I think, I think that is some of the reasons why the numbers are so much higher nowadays. And um, early intervention, like I said, they can diagnose by the age of one and a half. Yeah. So, so if you get a child by one and a half who is diagnosed and they start therapies, it changes their life. Yes. I mean, it, it can make a huge difference. Before we get uh, to the third set, tell us about your website, where people can find you, a phone number, email sure. address, all that kind of thing before um, uh, we get kind of moving to, towards uh, the third set. Where, where the can third they find set? Yeah, where, where can they find you? Okay, sure. Um, we have a website, loveservingautism.org. Mm-hmm. We have uh, social media pages. We have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. What else do we have? YouTube. We have a YouTube channel, which okay. I love now. U- USDA Florida has uh, really collaborated with us and helped us put together um, a nice channel because um, we have all of these new Zoom videos, right, for virtual tennis. Yeah. So um, we have a few training videos. So if you want to go to Love Serving Autism and just watch some of our, you know, we have an 11-minute volunteer training video, program director training video. You know, during expansion before COVID, it was challenging for me to get to all of the locations and train everyone. Mm. So that's why we started making these videos so that, you know, it's, it's nothing can take, nothing can replace like hands-on experience being on the court, but at least the videos are a good visual, you know, to learn more about what we do. Um, we do, we do have a donation button on our website as well. Um, we're, we're connected to a company called Flip Cause mm-hmm. and they create, they create these marketing campaigns for us for donations. So, um, that's on our website too. And, um, my email is Lisa at loveservingautism.org. Mm-hmm. It's pretty easy. Yep. <laughs> so you can always reach me at my email address. Um, and our phone number and address and everything's listed on our website as well. That's, that's great. Yeah. That, I'm Good. sure that people who are listening might want to be able to, to find you, help out. I'm sure yes. you can always take volunteers, sure. volunteers Absolutely. as well, right? Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. In addition to donations. I, had, I had a pro today email me from, um, Philadelphia okay. and she is, a she was USPT. I think she's now a PTR professional. And she said, I have a student in my class and my junior program is on the spectrum. You know, how can I get trained in this? Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting. And then you have others who want to open a program or want to know how to open a program. So, you know, that's great. If you email me, I'd love to, you know, help anyone who's interested in, in, in this type of, uh, in this industry, you know, with adaptive tennis. I know we specialize in autism. Yeah. There are programs, that, you know, Special Olympics, it's like kind of a mix. Um, Buddy Up Tennis is uh, for children with Down syndrome. So there are a lot of different types of programs for different um, populations. Well, um, so No question next time, Craig, or uh, next time mm-hmm. I am in South Florida, we're coming to help you and we'll have a great oh, time. Sure. Yay. Yeah, Thank you. I, I, enjoy, I enjoy helping out like that. Yeah, I, I, think yeah, so, we both, yeah, I get I so much that. more out of it than, than the students. It's more uh, just being able to come out and help out and, and uh, it's not terribly difficult, but at the same time, it's very rewarding. That's for sure. Well, you can ask Kyle. Kyle went with us to our U S open trip. Um, we did. did go in 2019. 
And he was, I had, I was able to select one on-court coach. So yes. I said, Kyle, guess cool. what? <laughs> it was at the time your fiance, right? Or, or boyfriend. No. Oh yeah. It was my, he was my boyfriend yeah, at the yeah. time. Yeah. You actually saw yeah. him in the crowd, right? You actually, you recognized him that time. Right? <laughs> There's that six right. foot six guy. Yeah, I, I, a tall guy. Yeah. With the bow tie on. Probably. He, he proposed to me the same day as our U.S. Open clinic. So he surprised me you know, that evening. The, uh, but, um, our, our last, actually our last question in set two oh, is going to be, sorry. give us the okay. highlight. Uh, and I, mm-hmm. I figured it would be uh, having <laughs> how many kids that you had on court. Was it like, it was an outdoor court that had a 21. live match, right? Oh, it was court 17. Court yes. 17. So we had about 21 children. Mm-hmm. And right mm-hmm. when you got done, uh, a, re- a real live U S open singles match came on. And then that night was the proposal. Give us the highlights. Oh, that night was the proposal, right? So Kyle thought, well, at least we'll be so focused on the U.S. Open Clinic and Love Serving Office, and she won't even realize that, you know, I'm going to propose to her. <laughs> and she, it, he, poor guy, he hadn't even, he was trying to call my parents and uh-huh. speak to my father. And dad was never home, never available, so he wanted his consent. So it took forever. But um, that that evening, he took me to Hearth, which is an amazing restaurant, yeah. Michelin Star restaurant, and we sat in the kitchen, and then he took me to the roof of the Grand Hyatt that evening and proposed on August 31st. So it was a big surprise. I was going to say that in little devil, but that's a big devil. The, the tycoon <laughs> is a romantic and we oh, love man. it. I just love Jeez. that. And Great story. Wait, I have one more thing to tell oh, you. Yeah, sure. The Empire State Building, um, you know, so royal blue is the color for autism. Yep. It's like the cause. Okay, so somehow he, he was able to request multiple times and they did the, the Empire State Building light. He had, it was blue that's that huge. night. Absolutely. So he went above and beyond. Yeah. That's why he's a tycoon. That's, that's why he's a tycoon. That's we right. love him. That's the guy. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's, well, yeah. I think more highly of him now. Yeah. Uh, well, let's go mm-hmm. third set. Third set. Uh, okay. Uh, brought, yeah. Let's. Oh, uh, okay. I've let's been do- get in there. I've been doing a little research. I understand that you like music, and so I, we we have a few music questions always to kind of start off. What kind of music do you like to listen to? Just just out of curiosity. Um, I love, um, eighties music. I like dance music. Weird. Oddly lately, I like a little techno music, but Uh I just love music. I really love music. Um, I'm not, to be honest with you, I'm not great with the names and the bands and all of that, but, um, I do enjoy, I do enjoy music. I know the tycoon puts some Depeche Mode on you every now and then, (laughs) uh, in the car, I'm sure, huh? Oh, yes. (laughs) So, so, So knowing that you like music, were you a concert person? Did you uh, go to concerts and that kind of stuff? Um, no, I really wasn't into concerts. Um, I would just, you know, back when I was going out more in social, I'd go out, you know, dancing with my girlfriends. And, you know, I they would always find me, like, in South Beach. I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's been <laughs> oh, so Beach. long since I've... It's, wow. been so, <laughs> it's been so long since I've done this, but I had a little phase after tennis of, like, oh, I you know, social life, what's that? So... You know, I ended up meeting girlfriends down in South Florida and they would always give me a glow stick and I go dance. You know, I love music. It was just that fun, like vibe. You know, I love the energy of music. I um, can see Kyle and Lisa driving up in the Porsche, you know, on South <laughs> Beach, you know, going to the, at about 2 a.m., you know, going, okay, uh, park the car, yeah. uh, Roy, and, and then throwing the keys to him and then walking into the disco, can't These you? These clubs in hey, South Beach. And then going to the Waffle House. Well, oh, then see some <laughs> Gloria Stefan in the Miami Sound Machine, you know, come on. Right. Isn't that, exactly. isn't that what everybody exactly. dances to down there in Miami? Everyone does. But but I have a, um, I just have a band story, if you don't yeah. mind. Sure. Um, no, no, please do. 
Um, there are identical twins in our program. They're called mirror image, meaning they're completely identical. And mm. I still can't tell them apart. Um, they're in our tennis program and their father, their biological father was Dan Spitz, mm-hmm. who was the guitarist um, for Anthrax back in the 1980s, I believe that yes. was. And so I, I was, be honest with you, I did meet him a few times and, um, it was just interesting. His children, his sons, you know, log into Zoom and, you know, I'm good friends with, with, um, their mom, but it's just interesting that, um, I did meet him and he was quite eccentric, you know, sure. <laughs> um, but I, I really, you know, as far as like bands and concerts, I really, honestly, Kyle was much more into it than, than I was. Mm. <laughs> so I've, I've heard, but, but I do, but I do love music. I always have like ear, my, you know, um, Apple, like my earbuds in or whatever. Cause I like, I even like to work, do computer work with music on. So um, who's your favorite band? Like in each, each genre that you like, who, who do you like? Like, uh, do you like anthrax in heavy metal or do you uh, listen no. to 80s? So 80s music. So if you're, you're thinking 80s music, who do you like in the 80s? Um, if you're in the last, like, you know, the band like, aha, like, yes. where, oh, take on me, you know, um, take on me, you know, Madonna. Like, I don't know. I just I, love 80s. Like, yeah, I, I think want, it's so much fun. I want you, I want you and the tycoon to go to Norway and hang out with Katarina and exactly. see, see, aha, right. uh, in, right. even though they're 55 years old, they're going to be great. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that guy gets that high. Man, you know, he, goes I don't either. he does low, go lower. Yeah, yeah when he goes, yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah. But that was a cool video, though. That was one of the first really cool videos. The animation. Yes, yeah. I, I like that. I thought that was really, really I remember cool. dancing. I remember at UF in Gainesville dancing with Katrina. You uh-huh. know, all our tennis team went out one night, and AHA came on, and she told me, hey, that he, they're like my neighbor. I'm like, what? <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Your neighbor? <laughs> oh, wow. No kidding. Really? She lived in Florida? I was so excited. No, no yeah, uh, back in Oslo. But, oh. Oh, okay. Because ah, from, yeah. ah, gotcha. Oh, the, the, the girl in the video <laughs> yeah. was from. Yeah. No, well, her buddy in yes, college. Right, buddy exactly. College. Yeah. Right. right. Well, it right. takes a little while. I'm a little slow. Yeah. I was on the slow train That's in okay. Oklahoma. You know, it took That's me a while. Okay. Yeah. So, so, uh, so you like 80s music, and you said you also like uh, some other types of music. What are your, some of your other favorite bands? Um, um, I'm trying to think here. Um, well, I kind of grew up in like a church, like, this is also something off topic, but I did kind of grow up in like church, you know, in mm-hmm. Tennessee. Good. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I do, I do, you know, like my Christian music, sure. um, you know, I do listen to that sometimes. So I'm kind of all over the place with music because when I was younger growing up in church, uh, it was church of Christ, but we weren't really allowed to listen to instruments. There were no instruments in the mm-hmm. church. So it was just like all like, acapella. Um, you know, acapella, which is very, you know, interesting. Yeah. Um, but as I got older, I realized like, you know, I do enjoy Christian music, but it was just different because I never grew up with it. So, uh-huh. you know, so that was just a little bit different for me. And, and so, you know, Kyle knows I like, you know, my different types of music depends on the day, what I'm doing, what I'm listening to, you know, so, um, but his Porsche is a, you know, very, <laughs> it's funny. We, we were off topic. We were in California, um, uh, in August. Um, he wanted to take me on a trip because we haven't been anywhere due to COVID. Yeah. So he flew to Northern, Northern California, San Francisco, and he took me up all through the mountains and we had a rental car. And I, I said, wouldn't you just love to be driving your Porsche right now? Oh, those <laughs> roads. Yeah. But the music, he'd be blasting the music and he loved, yeah, the windy roads. And I would just close my eyes. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid down. of like roller coasters and all that, but he loved it. So yeah, that was something, but, um, 
Yeah. So. All right. So next question. So this this is kind of defines your personality. Mm-hmm. If if you were sure. in a band, let's say you were in a band. All right. Uh, this mm-hmm. is hypothetical. I don't know. Maybe or maybe you play an instrument. What instrument would you play play or be? Would you be the lead singer, lead guitarist, drummer, keyboards, or bass guitarist? Where where would Lisa LPL be? Uh, Lisa Lisa maybe from the cult. Mm. Yeah. Where would you be? What, what member of the band would you be in? Or you said you you like listening to electronic music. Would you be a DJ? Oh, yeah. There we go. New one. There we go. DJ. I could be a DJ, but I also I, w- I would like to be the lead singer. I, mm-hmm. I can't believe I'm saying this, but mm-hmm. I think that vocal. I think vocals are like I love I love the sound of someone's voice. You know, singing. Yeah, the front one. Like Whitney Houston. You know, like oh, I, I wow. would. I feel. I feel comfortable. I think I would like that because through Love Serving Autism, I've kind of it's kind of trained me on you know you know, putting you on the spot, like being on stage um, at times. And I never didn't have that experience growing up, but you know, you can, if you're in your own element and you love what you do, you know, that you're good. Right. So I, can see I think that. I would, I think I would do, I would like to be a lead singer. I'd like that. I like that answer. I, I, I agree a thousand percent. Anybody who's in the lead like that, if you started uh, a founder and CEO of love serving autism, you're a front, mm-hmm. you're a frontman front woman front men front yeah. woman mm-hmm. yeah you, you're uh you're the lead uh lead person out there i i, I think so no would you be wearing the skin tight uh, leather you know that kind of thing or do you no. more more baggy you know kind of dress uh you know not uh, <laughs> i'd wear a classy i'd wear a classy dress but i don't know if it's skin tight leather pants but that the mick jagger let let him stay with the skin tight leather huh exactly exactly i did um also, would love to bring autism. You know, for PR, at times mm-hmm. you have to go into the news, into the news stations, and speak. And my first live interview was pretty, you know, intimidating because you go into a news station and there are lights everywhere. You guys know, you know, and mm-hmm. so, and you never know. You kind of play in advance what they're going to ask, but they don't always ask you those questions. Right. So you just have to be prepared. And I've memorized, you know, pretty much our mission, our vision, because <laughs> that's usually what they ask. But um, yeah, so I think that that's Love serving autism has been great for me to train, you know, to train me kind of on like how to, how to speak and what, you know, I'm still kind of learning how to connect with the audience. Like Kyle's phenomenal with that. Yeah. When he speaks, he is uh, really creative and innovative and, you know, and so um, I learned from him as well. Definitely. <laughs> Favorite movie or TV show. Do you like to watch movies, TV shows when you have a spare moment? I love, I love Netflix in my spare moment. So because there are no commercials, which is fantastic. Um, what you watching on Netflix so, now? Yeah, what are you watching? I like. Um, well, we watch Parks and Rec. I'll, I'll get into these shows <laughs> that are like you know, like a, a series of like episodes. And yeah. um, but as far as movies, um, I really like Robin Williams. I like. Um, I don't know. This sounds cheesy. Like Goodwill Hunting, those type of movies that yeah. have like a purpose, motivation. Uh, I like Morgan Freeman. I like when he's, um, what is the term when he's speaking? Um, narration. Like, uh, when he's narrating. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like his narration. So Kyle, Kyle and I, Kyle is usually, and I, we usually find something together to watch, which is great because um, it kind of is, you know, after a long day, you like to decompress and just yeah. kind of watch something that's fun. So you so. like Shawshank Redemption? Do you like Morgan Freeman and Shawshank Redemption? He did most of the uh, narration he- of that. He did. He did. I just, I love his voice. I love his voice. I don't know voice. what it is. I, I enjoyed his voice the first 800 times I saw that movie, but then I started liking it even more about the 900th time. Right. 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 So, 
Yeah, that's 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 a, a good choice, Morgan Freeman, and then Mrs. Doubtfire, right? There's no question. I mean, that's from South Florida oh. too. I mean, come on, it, you know? it, it's actually yeah. from from my neighborhood in San Francisco. Oh no, is where South Mrs. Florida. Doubtfire was was, uh, filmed? was filmed. Yeah, but, it's but on Green Street, just wow. a little west of uh, of. Uh, no, yes, a little west of Fillmore. And I was there when they filmed it driving my convertible with uh, music blaring in Depeche the way the mode? cartoon with, would. With Depeche Mode? I, it may have been a different band, but almost the same. <laughs> and I remember they had to tell, they had to say, okay, you know, let this guy, when he leaves, uh, we'll film again. I thought, I, I, I might be in that movie. This is great. Might <laughs> <laughs> be. Have you got your royalty check yet? I haven't. I uh, haven't. Right. Yeah, they it's just, in the mail. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, we'll, we'll check on that. <laughs> hey, all right, uh, Lisa. So we know that you would invite us, three of us, uh, to dinner. But who would uh-huh. be four other people you would invite to dinner or swore a little soiree dinner party at the uh-huh. at your house? LPL, you know, uh-huh. tennis tycoon. Uh-huh. You know, what, what? Who would you invite? This could be anybody from history. It could be anybody from tennis. Doesn't have to be a sporting person. Uh-huh. Uh, people uh-huh. that uh, you might uh, be be interested in. Uh, having out uh, over to the to the house and, and have a little soiree. Mm-hmm. Who, who are those people? Well, I, I'm i really close with my family, and I'm not trying to be, like, you know, goofy about this, but I haven't seen my family seriously since January or oh, Christmas last yeah. year, right, because of COVID. Sure, right. And my, grandma, my grandmother just turned 95 on Friday. Well, so, happy birthday. Um, wow, 95. Yes. Happy birthday two days ago. Yeah. She lives in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I would most, I mean, a hundred percent, I'd have to say my grandmother because she's amazing. Sure. Um, That's a good one. And then, and then, um, as far as, I don't know, I just think my family's, um, not that people who are famous aren't important, but, um, I just, you know, my dad, my mom, my brother lives in New Jersey, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's an incredible person. Um, he was the top, by the way, he played college soccer. So he was just like a superstar and, uh-huh. you know, and I've, I've been really lucky to have a great family. Um, I, I do not cook though. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't. So okay. <laughs> I didn't grow up in the kitchen. Um, Kyle, when I first met him, one of the, one of the first topics I discussed was if you're going to date me, I just have something to tell you. I really, um, <laughs> I really don't cook. Hey, and that, he, wrong with that. he was surprisingly like excited about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I thought this is odd. And it turns out that his father, you know, had growing up, his father owned two different restaurants uh-huh. and, you know, he was in, yeah, he was in the industry. So Kyle is phenomenal. He has a gift for it. And he's like, I mean, he could be a full-time chef. Yeah. So, um, so thankfully Kyle does the cooking. So as far as what we would have for dinner, it would be Kyle's menu and recipe. Well, I know it's going to be good. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, he, we'll, and he's uh, a tycoon too. So maybe, or he, he might be able to be cater, cater in, right? Yeah. yeah. He every time we go to visit my parents, he brings my dad stromboli and he bakes it from scratch. Oh, that's and um, so now my dad loves them, of course. So, oh, wow. <laughs> of course, for the stromboli. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, East Coast or West Coast? I, I have I have a, a feeling what what uh, you're going to say. East Coast or West Coast? Is that pertaining to the U.S. or mm-hmm. Florida? That matter. Or right. Could could be. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, Let's so go U.S. I, the U.S. Whole thing. Well, the U.S., I'd have to say West Coast after my trip to California. Um, I loved it. I, I do love the East Coast of Florida, mm-hmm. but I do, I, I, you know, I haven't been to California since I was playing junior tennis in college, and I forgot how beautiful it is. Oh, and yeah. I said to Kyle someday, because I love the scenery, the topography, it's like the mountains and the mm-hmm. beaches, and 
it's just amazing. In Florida, you see palm trees, which is great <laughs> and beautiful, but you don't really see any change. Yeah. So if I if I ever did move, I would like to be on the West Coast. <laughs> would you be in Northern Cal or Southern Cal? Sorry. Um, I'd have to say Northern California. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, you know, L.A. is a little bit more like like where I live now. Yeah. I just think the people are a bit different. But um, the mountain, like Kyle and I went hiking and just loved it. So I thought, wow, that would be pretty neat to live somewhere, you yeah. know, where you could do everything. Kind of the north of the San Fran area. You know, kind of yeah, the north of San Fran. Um, it's I know it's super expensive there to live, but but I think it, it's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really really yeah, nice we, there. We we did get to go to the Stanford campus and visit, and um, you know, in August, so things are a bit different now because of COVID. But it's just yeah. a beautiful area. Yeah, very nice. Mountains or beach? Do you like the mountains or the beach? Um, <laughs> that's a tough one. Um, I'd have to say. I have to say, depending on the day, I do love heat. I do love the outdoors and the beach. But like I said, going into the mountains once in a while and hiking is just amazing. Um, without bears, by the way. But, yeah. you know, as long as we're safe and we're hiking, and <laughs> you know, the, ex- the physical exercise and the fitness is, is wonderful in it, the mountains. It but, really is. And, and I wouldn't worry about the bears if you got the tycoon with you. No. Right. Exactly. Are those, are those the Chicago Bears? <laughs> no, not those Bears. He is from the Midwest. He, he is from, originally from the Midwest. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Sunrise or sunset? Are you a morning person or an evening person? Evening. Evening. No I like kidding. the sunset. Oh. Mm-hmm. Are you a night owl? I am a night owl. Yes. All right. So we're just getting Definitely. fired up. You, you and I. Yeah, we're just getting going. Right. No, I, I like. Uh, I'm a night owl too. I'm gonna go exercise after this. Uh, you, actually, you, he works out late. I try to go to bed early. Maybe not on I Sundays. Know. But Kyle is up at five or four yeah. thirty. Right? right. Yeah. He's, right. He's so up. he he's probably listening right now, yeah. but with one eye open. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite season? Are you a summer person? Fall, winter, spring? What do you What do you like? Uh, I like I like fall. I mean, now that we've been in South Florida, I like fall. Just a little bit of change of season. It's still warm, but it's mm-hmm. not cold, you know. And and I think it's beautiful, like October, November. So I'd say fall. No, and the humidity is about like what sixty percent now, as opposed yeah. to ninety percent. Ninety five. Yeah, on a good day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what's, your, what's your favorite holiday? Uh, Christmas for sure. Um, just because I get to see family. My brother yeah. flies in from New Jersey and we go to my parents' house and they live in St. Pete, Florida. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, visiting them is great and just, it's more family time. So I'd definitely say Christmas. He's the one who played soccer in college. Yes, yeah. he did. Mm-hmm. Cool. When mm-hmm. you, have, when you have a spare moment, what do you like to do in your spare time? Uh, um, don't have a lot of it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so probably, Speaking to Kyle, watching Netflix, um, checking, you know, looking on social media for a minute, um, you know, texting friends, saying hi to friends. I, I feel like I know my friends are still there, but you know, um, just kind of feel like I've been disconnected when you when you when you start, you know, a nonprofit and do something like this. You know, you're you're bu- pretty busy, so it's not always as easy for me to maintain my friendships, but mm-hmm. I do my best. So. That's great. All right. We're going to, we're ending, we're ending kind of th- that part of the, uh, 
set three. Set three. Now we're going to go. We have a few tennis questions. We uh, kind of some fun uh, tennis sure. questions. We'd like to ask you okay. real quick, and then we'll we'll sure. wrap it up because I know we're getting getting yeah. late there. Indoor tennis or outdoor tennis? You like indoor tennis or outdoor tennis? I love indoor tennis because it's fast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I figured you might say that. Yeah, it's like CB. Yeah. That's Same right. Oh man, yeah. Oh, I like it because it's uh, there's no wind, there's no sun, uh-huh. and you can just exactly. you can just smack the ball around, and it's, it's exactly. Uh, uh, favorite <laughs> tournament? Where's your, what's your favorite tournament? You playing uh, or going to or watching or I, it could be. Anything. I um, I played U.S. Open juniors a few times and I just love the U.S. Open. So mm-hmm. I'd have to say U.S. Open, you, and especially since. Go ahead, sorry. No, mm-hmm. I was going to say in El Paso. We, we you you didn't uh, say El Paso. We thought you might because we you played one of our friends, Patricia Zerdan, in the. Uh, Qualifiers. Did you remember that? One back of our in friends, she's from Argentina originally. Back in 96. Yes. That was a long time ago. <laughs> and you won that. You won that you match, You got too. that one. That yeah. was in, uh, I guess, second round. Yeah. Second round of qualies in right. El Paso. Right. In the 10,000 tournament out there. Right. Uh, I thought you might say that one. Yeah, we thought you'd say no, El Paso, sorry. Texas. Too bad. <laughs> no. she, she opted for the U.S. Open, pal. Over yeah. El Paso? Come on. She did. You know, oh, sorry. Do you like to watch tennis on TV? Are you watching the you like the French Open? Are you, know, you involved in that kind of stuff? I, I, I struggled with watching tennis on TV um, for years just because mm. I had kind of, you know, left the sport and you know, I, I'm happy now where I am in my life, but you know, as, as when you're in your twenties and you, and you don't play tournaments anymore and you're kind of frustrated and did I make the right decision? And it was not easy, you know, logging in and watching tennis on TV. Yeah. Um, just because I kind of saw myself there, but then, you know, I don't know if that makes sense as a player, but you, you kind of have a new identity and you have to learn to, you know, go forward in your life. Sure. And if that's all, that's kind of all I knew with tennis. So now I enjoy it. Now I, you know, um, watch you know the u.s open french open i grew up you know some of the commentators like Lindsay davenport you know yeah. was kind of somewhat in my era joe Krabis, shonda rubin so you know it's fun seeing them commentating and so um you know i do enjoy it now i did i did watch the u.s open and i'm happy they were able to um complete the tournament um yeah. it's pretty interesting tournament but they did it so that was remarkable <laughs> yeah. how yeah. they got it done that was a, a archillian Exactly. We're we're gonna go down a different rabbit hole real quick. Who's your who's your prediction for the French Open then? Since you since uh, you do watch a little tennis, the French Open just started. Are are you going with Serena? To well, she's not there. I I don't think Serena is. She? Oh, she's not. I was gonna say Serena. Were you gonna say Serena? Yeah. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Back up here. Let me think. She was practicing. Yeah, it was really cold. She and Halep are uh, are. I think so she is there. Yeah. Osaka's not Osaka's there. Osaka's the one you're yes. thinking. Oh, right. Not there. Yeah. Do you yeah. think Serena will eventually punch over that 24th title? Potentially, yes. <laughs> Maybe not this year? I don't know. You she, don't know? So she, I don't know. I can't answer that. But I think that she's, you know, as you get older, it's, you know, and I, Kyle and I have had these conversations about the women's game. Yeah. It is getting a bit faster and women are getting stronger and, you have to have, you know, I know she had a child and she's a family. So yeah. it's just maintaining that level is not as easy as you get older. So um, I'm sure she'll find a way. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed watching the US Open. I think who I love the men's side is the Canadian player, um, Felix. Oh, Felix um, Auger-Aliassime. Auger. Another, Another uh, trinomial. trinomial. Yes. yes. <laughs> LPL, AJC, mm-hmm. CB1. <laughs> yeah. Right. So he, he has a phenomenal yes. game. I just think he's so gifted. Yeah, he's a really I, nice player. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. he absolutely ripped Andy Murray in the U.S. Open. That was rough mm-hmm. to see. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was glorious to see because Felix played great. Uh, rough to see an old champ like Murray play three or four good matches and then get ripped like that. And he got mm-hmm. ripped a little bit today. So, so Andy, what do you think game. about playing FAA? Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, it's great. Um, Felix has a, a, a bright future, uh, qu- qu- quite, you can hear in my voice. It's quite a bit brighter than, than my future, but, um, yeah, F- Felix is going to be a champ. I, I think, I think, you're, I think you're correct. One day he's, he might win the, the, the French, maybe the U S open, maybe the Canadian open mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. I think, he, I think, I think I didn't even realize how old he was. I mean, he looks older than he is because he's so strong, you yeah, know, he's, pretty, but, yeah, he's kind of developed mm-hmm. and he's only what, 20, 21. Right. But I think, I mean, I think it takes time to develop maturity emotionally, yes. right. And learning how to compete at that level and to maintain it. So I, I do think that he'll get there. Um, so is definitely. Fa- is he your favorite tennis player? Uh, growing up. Um, well, interestingly, and, and Kyle loves this player as well, Steffi Graf. Uh-huh. She was, she was actually my next door neighbor, believe it or not. Her house, her house was next to ours in Boca Raton. So Incredible. I kind of grew up. Yeah. And I, I used to love, I mean, she's, you know, a little bit older than me, but I used yeah. to love going and watching her practice and train. She never walked. Like she picked up a tennis ball and practice. Like she runned every ball oh. and her, her work ethic and she's humble and she's kind. And like, mm-hmm. I have a, I have high respect for players who, who, who are, you know, who are with that type of personality. Yeah. No, so I'd say, yeah, well, she's, She's she's definitely a champion in in, in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting though; you mm-hmm. never see her much anymore. You don't really, I know, unless she does German television. I really don't ever mm-hmm. see her. You know, I mean, she's such a great champion; you don't ever see her do anything. Right. Andre, you see a little I know. bit, but they just kind of been quiet and kind of live in Vegas, mm-hmm. and, which is not a quiet place. But they yeah. just don't see. No, you, you never hear from them that that much. What what sport would you have, have played if it wasn't tennis? Do you think? Mm, I think I would have probably gone into swimming. Um, I, I just love, you know, interestingly, I was afraid when I was younger, I was afraid to dive. I, I said, I don't want to dive head first in this pool. <laughs> and one day my dad, one day my dad's like, you're going in. He picked me up and threw me in. I'm like, okay, I think I'm going to learn now. <laughs> He's like, just get over this. It's sink so, or swim. Sink or swim. Come on, Lisa. Swim, dad. There you go. That's it. Yeah, so I learned how to swim and I loved it. I love the water. Um, I guess on my birthday's February, I'm a Pisces, so I have a water sign, but like, I love water. Mm. So, but you know, I learned how to scuba dive uh, like about 10 years ago. I haven't done it in a while, but I love scuba diving too. So I'd have to probably say swimming. Mm-hmm. That's just a, like, yeah, yeah. that's mm-hmm. a good answer. Swimming is great. What did you, did you specialize in any particular stroke? Let's say backstroke, uh, you know, the American crawl um, freestyle. I did it. I did some of the IM, like all of it, but I liked, I liked, um, yeah, I liked freestyle. I did not like breaststroke. That was tough. That was tough. Mm. Or butterfly. Butterfly was tough. Or backstroke. All of them are tough <laughs> now that I think about it. But, but I did like freestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. probably, the, is that the easier of the, of the disciplines or that it's um, still tough? I think it is. I think that and, um, what is it? Uh, breaststroke mm-hmm. is somewhat simple i guess compared to the others but you know i know i know kyle actually was a, a, an amazing swimmer i don't know if you spoke about that on his podcast yeah, but he um mm-hmm. he talked about flip turns and yeah. you know I, I didn't get to that level but but i loved i did love swimming but my coaches would always get frustrated with me because i had to kind of focus more on tennis and i couldn't focus on anything else you know mm-hmm. at that at that when you start playing more and 
my parents painted a garage, their garage in Memphis. Um, I believe it was like the U S open. So <laughs> my dad painted it for me. And he said, he never told me this until like a year ago. He said, I'd come home from work and I hear doom, doom, doom in the house. That sound. And so that's what I did for hours every day. That so it is was, a beautiful sound. Yeah, it's uh, a beautiful sound, right? Uh, <laughs> all right, well, last question here. Last question, and then we're all sure. done, okay? One okay. more. All okay. right. If okay. you, if you, now I'm going to say that love serving autism is, is you're involved in sports, but if you w- mm-hmm. weren't involved in the sports industry, what would you be doing right now? What do you think? Well, I think that I just couldn't see myself doing anything else but special needs because it's just my passion. Mm. And I, I didn't really know much about it as a child, but um, I'd say most likely something to do with special needs, whether it's a therapist, a teacher. So I'm pretty much somewhat in that field. Yeah. Um, yeah I think that it just, it just makes me happy, you know, and, and, and I don't know how to, how else to explain it, but you know, when I, I'm, I'm my happiest when I'm going on a tennis court with a child with autism, because, you feel so connected to them and they're so pure and good, you know, and like, you just know that you're, you're helping people. So I had, I'd have to say that it it wouldn't be like corporate. It wouldn't be sales, anything to that Mm. nature. Lisa, (laughs) we, we felt what you just said in the photos that, uh, that we used for the promo for this. And uh, of course I love the scenic one and the UF uh, one, but to see you on the court with the kids, it just jumped out. Uh, uh, the mm-hmm. the love and the purpose and the just the remarkable uh, connection you have with those kids really jumped out at us. So thank you. Yep. No, thank, oh. thank you for, for, uh, for your time. Uh, tell us once again how we can yes. get in touch with you or how people can get in touch with you. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, I, I, you guys are amazing. I love listening to you every week. So, <laughs> so um, it's so entertaining. Your facial expression. <laughs> it's just so much fun. <laughs> Secondly, um, I would love to, anyone can reach out to me. Um, our website is, you know, loveservingautism.org. And my email is Lisa at loveservingautism.org. That's Excellent. That's so, pretty good. Excellent. That's pretty good stuff right there. So we, we really appreciate your time. Thank you. I know it's uh, your night out, so you're getting ready to go to work probably. Yeah, you, you. getting ready to exercise. That's right. You exercise, <laughs> tuck in that big husband ears and tell him we all said hi. Thank you, AJ. Thank you, Craig. Thank so you so much. Wow. We, we appreciate, like I said, taking your taking a couple of minutes here. We've, we've taken an hour and 22 yeah, minutes of your great. time. We, we appreciate, uh, we, we went a, a lot longer than what we thought we would. And so we, that we appreciate, okay. uh, the the time and the energy and keep up the good work down in South Florida. We're going to come see you sometime soon. Or if you're ever this way, please come our way too. Yeah. And Texas. Okay. Sounds like a plan. You're the coolest. Thank have you. a great night. Take care, Lisa. All right. Well, have a, thank have, you guys. Have a good night. You too. Thank okay. you, Lisa. Good night. Okay. Bye. Take Bye. Care. Not, not a bad effort. There's uh, AJC. What a fun show, Craig. Well done. And Lisa is a jewel. That was awesome. Yeah. Yes, no. you I know that uh, we we uh, uh, had talked to her a little bit about what we were doing, and mm-hmm. she she wanted to know kind of what we were up to. And I, she did, I know the third set probably stressed her out m- more than anything, <laughs> but she actually did great, didn't she? She was awesome. Oh, yeah, man, she was awesome. But uh, yeah. should we queue up old Jimmy and and then uh, say goodnight to everybody? Love it. Okay, here we go. Let's see if we can get get Jimmy up here on the the roadcaster. I know he'll start saying something here. And said there he is. I like that intro, and he he does a great job. Good guitar. Well, thanks 
for listening to Season 1, Episode 60. That was 6-0 right there of At The Net Podcast. Join us next week. We'll be talking with Kevin Kempen. Kevin That's a Kempen. big name. That's a big name in the industry. Just, we just had Lisa, Lisa Palacy, LaCroix. She was a big, big yeah. guest, too. Kevin Kempen with Head USA. He's, He's the, the big man. top of the mountain in that. Top dog. The corner office. Head Pan America. Yeah, USA. On the 50th floor. Yeah, tremendous. So, Kevin... Kevin will be joining us uh, next week. Also join us Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. on our At The Net Instagram page with tennis shorts, right? We do a little tennis, tennis shorts. Tennis shorts, a blast, two questions, a little improv, a lot of French Open talk. We'll have a great time. Yeah, week. that'll be this Wednesday night. Yep. And uh, lastly, be sure to tell a friend or friends as we like your peeps, and hopefully they'll like us, right? Hit it. Tell right. your friends about it. Tell it. Hit the like, hit the subscribe. You know what to do. Right. Uh, thanks for your support. We just love doing the show. So, uh, CB1. That's the tennis news from Dallas, Texas, as, as it, it seems, seems to, to us. us. Good night, everybody, from Dallas, Texas. There we go. Great news.